Hello and welcome to the Inner Gamer episode 249. We are the video game source for you, the casual gamer. My name is Brayton Oski. And I am Austin Morales. And this week on the Inner Gamer podcast, we talk about the Oculus Quest. Yep, it's yeah. out. Brett played a few games and uh, did he love it? Did he hate it? We have to find out. I also jump into something a little different. It's not a video game. I played Warhammer Underworld's Beast Grave. It is a board game with miniatures because I've been getting into that and I'm going to talk all about that game. In the gaming news, PlayStation is no longer interested in making handheld consoles anymore. Not surprising. And Rocket League loot boxes are gone and the community is not happy. Yes. Yes, that's that's not good. But we get into all that plus more in the news and for our discussion topic. It's over, guys. Ten years is gone. We're, we're leaving 2019, starting a new decade in 2020. <laughs> so we're going to break down all of the best games for the past year. And we do a list of what's supposed to be five, but now it's going to be way more than that, of most influential games of the decade. So you're not going to want to miss that. And that's it. Cue that music. Welcome to the It is December 10th, 2019. Austin Morales. Welcome to the Intergamer Podcast, Austin Morales. Podcast, podcast. My name is Brayton Oski, but we've already said that at the beginning of the intro. We're going to talk about some other things here. We're going to talk about enjoying this content because we enjoy this content. And if you at home or in your car or at work or wherever you are right now, enjoy this content, you should consider supporting our show by donating to the Intergamer. In the gym. On the toilet. All of those pool. places. <laughs> yeah. All those it, places it are great. It almost sounds like you're about to break out and rap. Yeah, I, I need to. I want to work on a rap. If you donate a dollar a month to our podcast, I will make a rap about donating to our podcast for everybody else to see. So you should do that. Uh, but anyway, for as little as $5, you can help grow the inner gamer so we can bring you bigger and better content each and every week. We just changed some of our tiers, um, testing some things out, and I made the $1 tier more appealing. So for $1, if you sign up for literally a dollar a month, that is $12 a year. That's it, 12 bucks. So literally, you can't see this right now, but I'm holding a Starbucks coffee. This thing costs like four forty-five or four seventy or whatever the heck it is. It's less than five dollars for two of these coffees. You can have so much awesome content with the Inner Gamer, such as being a part of our private community in Discord, which is really awesome. You can join our Discord just by going to the show notes right now and sign up. But there is a private section that nobody knows about, and you can join that and be a part of our awesome community, which is really great. In addition to that. You can also stream with us. Mm-hmm. We'll give you a podcast shout out. Oh, actually, I lied. Streaming is not part of this plan yet, but it could be. Basically, if you want to, we probably throw you in a stream just because. Why not? You know, we'll throw you in a stream. But uh, you get exclusive Patreon only content. You get a podcast shout out, and you get private patron only channel access to Discord. And then for five dollars a month, you can stream with us once a month on Twitch. And you can suggest a topic for discussion and be a guest on the podcast with that discussion or whatever you want to be on. And then if you're a sponsor and want to sponsor us, $100 a month gets you sponsorship on every single podcast episode. You get mentioned in the newsletter, and you get social media endorsement once a month, so you definitely want to check that out. But anyway... Check it out. We just want to get you all knowing about that. And let us know if you have feedback. If you're not donating 
and you like our podcast, tell us why you don't want to donate. I'm curious to know, like, maybe there's something we could add to it that would add some more value. Let Thank us you. know. Yes, please. I think that'd be that'd be really solid. Always trying to grow. Always trying to learn. Always yep. trying to improve. And the only way we can do that is if you let us know what we're doing right and or wrong. One of our New Year's resolutions is for, I just made this up, so Austin doesn't know this yet, but one of our New Year's resolutions what the f- is to get donations on our podcast. We want to have like over $500 a month so that we can really grow this podcast. Yes, that would be amazing. By the end of next year. Actually, no, let's make it $1,000 a month. Let's shoot for $1,000 a month by the end of next year. You heard it here first. By the end of 2020, we want $1,000 a month so we can continue to grow this podcast guys, and bring you better and bigger and better content. We're gamers but, like you. Support your kind. Beyond that, we got some good stuff to talk about today. I made a mistake over uh, Black Friday and spent too much money. Oh, Um, did you? (laughs) I I did. I did. Why am I just now hearing about this? (laughs) Well, you know this. Oh, okay. But I think I think uh, you you know it a little bit, but I just Uh didn't really exude too much of it until now. But I bought some board games and uh, I bought a headset. And then I bought another headset, but this headset is a virtual reality headset. Oh, and people might be like, Brett, you already have a virtual reality headset. You got an Oculus Rift. I'm like, I know, but it connects to my PC and I have to stand in my room with a cable attached to me and that's not fun. So I bought an Oculus Quest because if you buy an Oculus Quest during Black Friday, you get Vader Immortal episode one, two, and three included for free. Which is only a twenty five dollar value, but I was like, "Why not? I'm just Why gonna not? do it anyway." Yeah. Okay. So I want to talk about my experience with the Oculus Quest because one of the biggest there's there's we have so many VR headsets. We have PSVR, we have Oculus Rift, we have HTC Vive, we have uh, I said PSVR already. We have Valve Index, which just sold out last week, you know, because of Half Life Alex and all that stuff. Now we have the Oculus Quest, and this is Oculus's attempt to make a VR headset that is tetherless. It's not attached to anything but give you quality virtual reality. And by golly, they are on the right track. Holy crap. Wow. And this isn't just an exaggeration. This is... So let me tell you my experience. Okay, yeah. I got the box. It came in the mail. I opened the box. Nice box? It's, it's a nice box. Very, oh, yeah, it feels good. Okay. It touched the paper and Bread it just... Proof. It feels It feels nice. Nice packaging. You flip open the top of the box and inside there, there are four things, three things. There is a headset. There are two touch controllers. They've redesigned the touch controllers, nice, which allow for more motions and things right, right, um, right, right. than they had before. And then it comes with uh, a USB-C cable that you plug in the wall. This thing charges on USB-C. So it charges on the That's same amazing. shit my laptop charges on, <laughs> same shit my Switch charges on, yeah. USB-C. That's it. Quick. Pull oh. out of the box. Yeah. It's already 50% charged, so there's a little pamphlet that you open up. First thing they say is download the Oculus app. I didn't know there was an Oculus app. Apparently there's an Oculus app. So got I, app. Yeah, so I download the app, and then this app shows you, you log in with your Facebook account because it's attached to Facebook because it's, you know, Oculus is owned by Facebook, or Facebook owns Oculus. And uh, in this, you can purchase any game you want for your quest just from a click of a button. It already has my account information stored in here from my Oculus Rift. Any game that I had on the Rift that is also available on the Quest, 
you get for free on the quest. So I don't have to buy it again, which is nice. So I have wow. a few games like out of like the climb right now. Normally twenty nine ninety nine, I get it for free because it exists now on the quest. That's awesome. So any of those games, they originally weren't set up that way, okay. but now they're starting as they build equivalent versions of them or offering them for free. Um, the library is growing, but all the games that are on here are like the best of the best in VR. I mean, you have. Autica, you have Creed Rise of Glory, you have The Climb, you have Journey of the Gods, you have Moss that came out on PSVR. That was oh, a really yeah. big deal. Yeah. Um, you have Thumper, you got all these things, and they're all like, you know, reasonably priced, all that stuff. And you can just come in here, you click buy, and then it says it's ready on your Oculus whenever it's in range. And then I put the headset on, and you have a little, the way it's designed is it has, it has your strap across the top, it's got the straps on the side, and then it has speakers. Normally on the Rift, the the headphone, not the speakers, the uh, earpieces yeah, yeah. were on the side. Right. I, I was like, where's the earpieces on this thing? They're built into the strap. So you don't see that there's actually earbuds in this what the device fuck? built into it. Um, they aren't great. I will say that. It's not like the best sound you could possibly get. So I'll probably eventually like put actual headphones into it. Mm-hmm. But f- the fact that you can't see them at all, it's pretty impressive. But... Get the headset, you turn it on, it's got charge in it already. You put it on your head, and then all of a sudden it says download the app, and then you do this process to where it links it through Wi-Fi, it connects via Bluetooth to this so that it can communicate to one another. Right, that makes sense. To your phone, and then you're connected. So that took about two minutes to set that up. Um, And then I put the headset on, and it immediately jumps in there and says, okay, Get your controllers, put them in your hand. And then what they have is they have this view where <laughs> Austin's dog is weird. I just want to throw that out there. She, she wants some love from Brett. She's silly. She's silly. She's like, Give me some love, please. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so I put the headset on. And the first thing it asked me is uh, um, it has this view where you can see the outside world that's in black and white. And it's a really shitty camera. But it allows me to, when I have my headset on, I can see my space that I'm in, which is right. really nice. And the first thing you have to do is draw your play space. So you have the two controllers in hand. You get those connected in like two seconds. Right. And you literally just stand in one place and point your controller out to the floor and just draw a line. Where in your, where you like Just draw, go in circles, draw the line, and you're good. <laughs> and... Yes. That's that takes like a minute, and then once you do that, like you're set up and you have your play space, and then you can walk up to the Austin's dog is having a crazy <laughs> fit right now. My dog doesn't <coughs> have much carpet at my place, so when she comes here, well, she's never been this crazy, but she loves this carpet. She is obsessed with it. I guess it back scratches her back or something she, like she that. Throws her face into it and just rubs all around it. It's so funny, That's crazy. Anyway, so she's funny. overly rambunctious right now. Go ahead. But uh, yeah, so I get the play space set up, and then it prompts me to like do the alignment to adjust the resolution, and then you're in. Now you're in the space, and I mean that process was like five minutes. So from putting on the headset to putting the controllers in hand to going into the first VR experience was a five-minute setup. No freaking base stations, no camera, no PC, none of it. Wow. And it's already got stuff loaded into it. So I bought the 64-gigabyte version so I can store 64 gigs of stuff now, do you in the headset. Now, to the computer? To nope. Get- so I pull up my app on my phone. I click download, and it, through Wi-Fi, downloads it to the hard drive that's in the, he- the, the faceplate. 
There's you, a hard drive in the faceplate. But you connect. This is just to to do the transactional purchase, and then it sends the data that hey, we need to download this through Wi-Fi, and then the Oculus then downloads it but from the servers. Connect, how do you connect it to your Wi-Fi? You do it through the uh, the phone. And it uses Bluetooth to connect to the Oculus to then transfer that Wi-Fi connection to the Oculus headset. And then from that point forward, your Oculus is connected to your Wi-Fi and so, then you can download games from so your a Oculus. Wi-Fi receiver in the Oculus. Yes. Quite, okay. Yeah. So everything, once you get connected to your Wi-Fi, you don't have to use your phone. But it's nice to use a phone because I can just sit there and browse and scroll through stuff. <laughs> or I can use the in in headset store purchasing mm. system. And I can just use my controller, point at stuff, click buy, download, and it'll do all the things. Okay. Um, but it has Wi-Fi built in the headset. It's got the hard drive built in the headset. It's got all the processing power built in the headset. Okay. And it's as light as the Oculus Rift. So, oh. Which is fucking so crazy. It's not that heavy. No, no, not at all. I mean, maybe like a tiny bit heavier, mm. but not near as noticeable as I thought it would be. Right. So how many games do you have in there? How full is your hard drive? 10, 12, um, 25%. Okay. 30, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Dang, that's real good. I could put a lot of games on there. Yeah, I mean, I could, I could probably fit like 15, 20 games. And then once I'm done, uninstall them. And you still have your, I mean, it's the, the store that they've established with Oculus is really good in that, you know, I can have this massive library just like you have on Steam. And then if you don't have them installed, it still shows up in your library. And then you can hide them if you want to and all that stuff. Manipulate with that stuff those that content mm-hmm. um but ultimately like i just have a couple of them on there that i want to play i can jump in and play them they pop right up they run through uh the wi-fi if need be um as far as the performance goes and the tracking that was my biggest concern is like how is this tracking going to be because right, again there's right. no base stations anywhere um and i'm in my room um what's cool is when you're getting towards the end the guardian system the guardian border when you get up to the edge of it, like it starts showing the grids, grid lines. And then when you get to the point where you're touching it, it turns red. And if you go beyond that, your front-facing camera turns on. Oh, so wow. you can see your space around you. So you can't really trip unless you like make it like over top of your chair or whatever. But yeah. I, I was I was spinning around circles all over the place and never tripped on anything. Wow, that's amazing. <clears throat> yeah. And... The tracking is really good. I mean, it's it's pretty impressive. There's a few glitches here and there where, like, if you get down low on the ground, um, sometimes it may, like, kind of have a little bit of a hiccup on occasion. But, I mean, I can do full 360 motion in my space and not have a lick of a problem. Wow. And I so, was just like, damn. Big question is, have you taken it off and then come back to it and put it back on? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Do you have to set up again? No. You don't have to set up. No. So does it tell you where you need to go? Like, how does it know? Obviously, it's probably going to have the same data that you put in before. Right. But how does it know you're in the same place? You might not know that, but I'm just curious, like, how? The, the camera. The cameras that are okay. on. It's got external camera sensors okay. that can detect that. But, yeah, I took my headset off to go do some stuff and then put them back on. Right. Because what if and you're And it had same... saved that space. Right. But, but if you're in a you're different same... area, it's going to flag you and say that hey this isn't this doesn't look right yeah because it, it's reading the 3ds it's creating like a 3d model of the space that you're in right. i think is what it's essentially doing um so it will detect that but when you're in the next space it's going to prompt you like hey create your play space again and i just draw a line in a circle so i can go if i want to into my my bedroom or my office draw a line have that play space and then come back there and it's just a matter of 
another couple minutes to redraw that line. So I've already yeah. done the focus stuff and everything. Right. Um, yeah, that was my. That was. I was like, you had to set up every time, which five minutes is five minutes is not a long time. But no. Yeah. But, it's but nice I mean, comparable to like previously, you'd have to move your base stations literally to another room and then set them up and then do the draw line again and stuff like yeah. that. So that's a way more tedious process than this. It's just right, you move right. to another room, you just draw a line, you're good. Right. Um, so it, it's it's cut out a lot of the issues um, that I've had in the past. Gotcha. Now, there's, there's still flaws. Like you have the graphics aren't the best. Like it's not as top-notch as it could be if I plug it in. Right. But they're going to solve that, I think, because they're bringing a PC lane cable out that will allow you to then connect to your PC with the Quest <laughs> and pull some of the power from the PC That's what if you want that high-fidelity yep. stuff. So you basically have an Oculus Rift and an Oculus Quest all built in one. Yeah. That's even better. Yeah. Yeah. So it's I'm, I'm incredibly impressed with this thing. And one of the most important questions. Yeah. How long is battery life, supposedly? Uh, I played two and a half hours, and it got down i was half charged and it got down to like 15 percent. oh okay That's so there are two two and a half hours is what i played yeah um but it was at 54 ish percent when i turned it on right so this is from straight out of the box jumping in i played two hours and it was about to die but so i could probably get four or five hours out of it right which is more than you should be playing anyway in a sitting with VR, you know? That's not not a bad deal. Right. And I haven't tested to see how quick it charged back up. Um, but it's USB-C, so hopefully it charges pretty quick. So I have a question. Yeah. I feel like I know the answer, but comparing the two Oculuses, Oculi. Yeah. <laughs> obviously, the one connected to the computer has the most power and it looks the best and, you know, cool things, obviously. You know, once you get a setup, most likely you're not going to move it because yeah. you have it set up somewhere. Um, mine is getting a peripheral that you can hit, mount to your ceiling and have the the cord hang overhead. Is it worth the the non high fidelity graphics or the lower graphic quality to be able to have that freedom, even though you don't move around as I mean you move around just as much, but you know are the games tailored to being more move having more movement to them? For the gameplay, or is it about comparable? Well, so you know what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. no, I, I understand what you're saying, but it's is it taking full advantage of the movement. It seems Obviously like the Beat Saber, the new Beat Saber game. But but so here's the thing: the okay. Quest is not worse quality. It's actually better quality than the the OG Oculus Rift. Okay, the resolution's higher, um, which is I didn't realize until so afterwards. So this is a better quality. Graphics. Headset, yes. Okay. Better quality graphics. Now it's not pulling the processing power out of the PC, so therefore you're going to maybe have some, there could be some lag issues because you're putting all the power in your headset and then it can get hot, which I was really concerned about. Oh, okay. Um, when I took it off, it was a little bit warm, but not not bad. But right. it's like it makes you sweat a little bit. Mm -hmm. But um, it's actually better resolution, but a slightly slower refresh rate. So that's where the difference lies. Um, but... On the other end... So it still looks good? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it looks good, but, like, the Oculus Rift even looks like PS3 graphics. Like, the HTC Vive looks like PS3 graphics. The graphics aren't freaking Horizon Zero Dawn high right. fidelity, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. So right. it looks like that, and that's okay. where the caveat comes in, is that virtual reality graphics just haven't gotten to the point to where oh. they're 4K HDR like you see on your PC, except for if you get the Valve Index, which seems to have pretty high up there right fidelity 
but um, so it is comparable or better. I think it's comparable. Okay. I don't think it's necessarily better looking, but I it's it's the same. Okay. But you're untethered. Right. You can move wherever you want, which is in for me like the biggest even, even flaw. If it, even if it was lower graphics or like not as great quality, I feel like un, being untethered is exactly what you need. <laughs> you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah, because it's a so the the quest is has OLED displays that are fourteen forty by sixteen hundred pixels per eye. The Rift S is twelve eighty by fourteen forty pixels per eye, which is less. Yeah, um, but it's fast switch and it's also LCDs, which I don't mm. know of LCDs versus OLED, which would be better. But right, right, right. Um, the Quest is seventy two hertz, whereas the Rift S I think is eighty. Okay. Um, so it's a little bit higher refresh rate. And then you have like the Valve Index, which I think is like over 100. So the Valve Index is significantly better refresh rate, which I think would create for a better experience overall. But um, I mean, this was 399 for this thing. And it's got all of it built in. That's a hell of a deal right yeah. there. Man. And I was like, I was I was super impressed. And then playing, a, so I played Beat Saber. And like Beat Saber, because of the quest, is about to release. And then Facebook just bought Beat Saber. So like they're, all in on this stuff. Right. Um, Beat Saber just announced that they're doing 360 degree Beat Saber games, which currently you're facing one direction and you just slash and dice and whatever. Now, because of the quest with no cables, you can right. spin around full circle <laughs> right. and do it. And it's it's going to be crazy. So I think, cool. I think we could see the market single out two VR headsets. Obviously this. Yeah. And then the Valve Index, because the Valve Index can really push the graphical nature yeah. of what you can see in VR. They could make high quality games, high graphic quality games, and place it. You know, if you want the supreme version or the ultimate experience graphic wise, get this one. Yeah, and I think that's good because they can just focus and tailor to that. While the Quest will definitely be the Obviously, more easy, easily accessible version, and I think a lot more games that are out there right now will work well on this because there's not a lot of, like you said, there's not a lot of high graphics out there. Yeah, and I feel like obviously VR isn't at a point yet that it's going to be that because there still needs more time in the oven in order for prices to come down and technology to go up, which we're quickly accelerating, obviously every year, but. I don't know. I, th- I think those two could really shine if Valve plays their cards right. You yeah, know? I think Obviously, so too. Like I, I, I can Valve index to like a high end PC. Right. And the Oculus Quest is your console. Yeah. You know, it's like kind of that that mentality. So like right. people that want the convenience and ease of stuff like that, Oculus Quest is like solid choice. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think they've definitely shut out PSVR. Um, they've shut out their own Oculus Rift, which I, I know they're going to go all in with Oculus Quest yeah. next year because they're just going to make that bigger and better. Good, they should. should. Um, I mean, the Rift's fine, but unless they're going to make it something like Valve Index, but yeah. at that point, I don't think they should even go to that market. Yeah, Screw no, I it. think I think they should they should embrace the people don't want to spend a thousand dollars for a headset yeah. unless yeah. they are enthusiasts, you know? Right. So yeah. capture the wider market. But uh, I saw Darth Vader. He like handed me a thing and told me to like undo this box and I did in front of him. <laughs> it's like holy Dang. shit, that's insane. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty 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 sweet. Very I'm cool. excited. I'm excited. Well, so. I'm gonna try it after we finish this. <laughs> yes, yes, it's it's legit. Um, anyway, so on that note, so uh, yeah, so 
normally we talk about two video games, but today I'm actually going to talk about a board game that I've been getting into recently. Uh, me and Brett actually have been talking about trying to add in at least one board game a month and make it like a special episode where, you know, the older we get, the more we enjoy board games uh, on top of our video game uh, fanaticism. So, I don't know. I feel like it'd be something kind of cool. It's still a game, you know. It's not a video game, but you know, we're called the Inner Gamer, so there's all sorts of games out there that we could play. And the one I'm going to talk about today is Warhammer Underworld's Beast Grave. It is a new uh, gate, like so-called gateway game, into the Warhammer universe, and you take uh, characters called warbands, like it's a group of characters that go into battle with each other. You can do one v one. You can do three-player free-for-all, four-player free-for-all, or uh, four-player uh, doubles. And I've been, well, as Brett knows, I've been getting really into painting miniatures because I want to do that for our D&D sessions, which uh, we've taken a break on currently. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was getting a bunch of characters, like, what could we do? Because, you know, it's always nice to have something physical. Because, you know, we're such in a digital age. I don't know. It's very, I find it very therapeutic because I'm painting these things, building them and all that stuff. Anyway. Which you're getting really good at that, by the way. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So I saw this game and it's like, well, it's a board game. It's a card game because there's cards in it. You have character cards, you have uh, power cards, and you have objective cards. And it kind of takes on kind of a Catan-esque, very, I say that very, that's like very mild, like Catan where you have to gain victory points, or they call it, uh, I think it's champion points? Anyway, I'll call it victory points. and Glory points, that's what it's called. And after three rounds of battling, whoever has the most uh, victory points wins. So it's like, oh, okay, cool. Wait, like, that was three rounds y'all played last night? That was three rounds. Holy yes. fuck. So each person, if it's a 1v1, each person had, and each round has four actions that they can do. Um, I won't go too deep into mechanics because it's a very deep mechanic game. And I think that's what's so hard. It's, it's a little daunting when you first jump into this because there's a lot to know. And if you it just you get better as you play because cards are very specific to certain situations. Uh, so they like give you one up if you want to, you know, do a reaction to someone, you know, like attacking you or moving or you can place a card down to buff some of your uh, your players and there's just a lot of different scenarios and different things you can do. And so I found it an interesting combination of stuff I feel like casual gamers enjoy. Yeah. Uh, along with hardcore gamers can do this, like get into this as well. So there's dice you can roll for attacking, for moving, for defending, for casting spells. And so you have like this, we're on season three and... There's a bunch of warbands with different play styles. I think that's really cool. So it's it's pretty much a collectible thing too, as well. Like kind of with the cards, you know, some cards go out of date as the seasons progress, kind of like in Hearthstone and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And so you build your deck that fits your play style the best and can help you win the most by getting the most victory points. Oh, so points. so you as the owner of the board game can like buy other card packs. Yeah, so to, like mix and match and stuff like that. So the core box set comes with two factions okay. with their cards. And then the rest of the year and or season other expansions come out with different warbands so you can pick and choose, but some cards are only specific to that warband. So if you don't get that warband, you're not going to get those cards. But then there's okay. universal cards that come and I assume that each 
expansion has a few that are going to be multiples of each, depending on which ones you get, and some are going to be unique to that one that you need to get too. So it can get expensive. It just kind of depends. I mean, I'm sure there's a place you can go and buy single cards. Um, again, I haven't got into the whole deck building. I'm just going with the general, here's your first deck, play with it, because I still don't know what I'm doing. Anyway, me and Travis went down to the Warhammer store and like learned. We've only played four games, and here we are trying to teach people how to play. And we're like, "Well, this doesn't make sense." But the guy at the store told me it was like this. But then the rules say it's not. So like, are they retconning the rules for better play? Like, I don't know what's going on anymore. But I find it really exciting. Um, you know, it allows me to dive into the whole hobbyness of building and and painting and making something really cool and. Uh, bring it out here and i think i think uh you know it's an interesting game i, I feel like it's Catan meets obviously warhammer meets like a game of chess in a way because the way you can move and attack like you only have so many things so you kind of have to plan ahead of what you're going to do what you plan to do look at your objective cards you know what are you focusing on some warbands focus on being aggressive so they go in they attack um depending on certain uh, specials that your character has, they can become inspired, which allows them to kind of like level up and have better stats. So like there's a lot of juggling pieces and trying to teach people has been quite an experience because again, I don't know this game very well. Right. And I'm like just getting some of the basics down and, and it's just interesting to kind of jump in and, and, and learn with other people learning for the first time and, I don't know, we had um, Lindsay and Craig come play, and that took three hours because we're doing 2v2 uh, just to get through it's three crazy. rounds. Yeah, I know. It was really crazy. But they were like, oh, look at these characters. Like, well, what does this one do? What does that one do? It's, you know, from outside or from the inside looking out, it's nice, It's cool, cool to kind of see how this game was able to draw people in by the characters, their play styles, and um, just kind of the in-depthness of playing this game. And, you know, it can get pretty hardcore if you're into it and stuff. So I know there's, like, uh, some of the conventions and I guess some of the Warhammer stores, they actually do tournaments and things like that. So it it gets pretty crazy, you know. They have a lot of peripherals for it as well. So it's a game that I'm really excited for and I want to continue diving into and playing because they keep coming out with new characters and stuff like that. And, you know, opposed to the big games, which they're, this is, like, the first step into getting a giant army from Warhammer and playing like, you know, an hour game. I think that's like the normal or like the average play time is like one hour of this giant battle with an army against an army, which has always been daunting to me. And it's not something that I feel like I'm ready to get into, uh, but it seems interesting. But then again, casual gamers, average play time, people were saying, 30 minutes for Warhammer Underworlds. And I was like, you know, that is not bad. That is not bad. Obviously, the more people you have, especially if they're learning, it's going to take a little longer. So very interesting. Can be daunting. I'm going to start bringing it to our events and stuff that we do, uh, especially over at Hot Fusion where it's board game night. Yeah. Like, it'd be interesting to just kind of continue playing this game and and see where it goes because, I mean, it's not going to end anytime soon. And, uh, yeah, I like it, man. Dude. I mean, it's the best of both nice. worlds in, in my, nice my to play. Opinion. I like the miniatures. The miniatures are really cool. Right. The style looks really nice. 
The Warhammer universe, I was just looking up that it came out in 1983 is when it started. Yes. Which D&D came out in like 1970, what was it, 1974. So this came out like about a little less than 10 years after Mm D&D. And Warhammer's, I mean, D&D now is like having a huge resurgence, but I could see Warhammer doing the same. I mean, it, it kind of has had actually, a resurgence already, in a way yeah. because like it's just we don't, it's not as top of mind for us because we're not right. in that space. It's a little we're niche. about to be. But, but if you're a D&D person, I feel like you kind of fall into like Warhammer news and stuff like that. Right. And so they just released, so, you know, when we play uh, Warhammer Vermintide, that's actually the end times. So the... I, I I don't know what uh, edition it is or, you know, from that, but they end up changing the story up. So evolving the story where they went to a new age, it's called Age of Sigmar, and they made this a more general, uh, I guess, a more appealing story, more family-friendly in ways to get more people on board and join this, join in on the all the games that they have. Yeah. And so this is one of their ways of getting that gateway for people to come into the Warhammer world. Yeah. And I think they're being very successful with it. Again, it's not just for anybody, but I think casuals will like it as well. It just takes some time. It can be one of those games you really get into. And, yeah, I highly recommend it. It's awesome. So... So Hopefully we don't talk about this next month, but who knows? We might. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see we'll what see. Brett thinks about it. <laughs> well, I've, I've I've put some feelers out, and I've had some people share some interest that a uh, Warhammer, or not Warhammer, but board game discussions, slight like minor bits of them would be of interest. So okay, cool. Might be something we look into. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's so many board games out there, and we have oh, like a large community of people I that know. we talk to that are, um, you know, big board game fans. So it's it's uh, and we yeah. are too. So it went we'll to, to Game Fest. Uh, not too long ago, and all the board games I saw, I was like, oh my goodness. There's just so many. It's just yeah. so easy. And a Kickstarter? Holy crap. There, there are so many board games, it's almost ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, and they're making, they're, they're asking for like, you know, $10,000 to make, you know, their first little edition or whatever. Yeah. And they're getting millions of dollars, and I'm like, who plays all these games? <laughs> Holy yeah, crap. Massive communities, man. They're all over. It's It's nuts. But uh, anyway, well, that's cool. I'm, I've got to, we'll have to get it. I, I right. wanted to play last night, but I didn't want to like, you know, sit down on a game and like distract from all the, everybody that was coming in. Right. And I'm right. glad I didn't. This is three hours yes, long. Yes. Yes. But I do want to play that game cause it looks, it looks, a, it looks yeah. cool. See, I think you'd like, cause it's a thinking game, you know? Yeah. And it's not just a, you know, Catan has that thinking element. Where am I going to go? But it's very simplistic. And within like two or three sessions, I feel like you got it. Like you understand yeah. how to win Catan. And that can be exciting, especially like getting it that quickly in any board game or any game in general. It's like, yes, like I'm ready. I know I was really pumped when we first started playing that. Yeah. You know, it's like, yes, we got it. We're going to win, do all this stuff. And I feel like this is the same way, except it's going to take a little longer. Mm-hmm. So I agree. Anyway, cool, I got to stop cool. me. Stop me, Brett. I know. I'm stopping you now. All right. So with that said, everybody, that's going to be it for the games we played. If you want to play games with us each and every week, you can join us in our Discord channel. Check out that link in the show notes. And if you like what you hear, subscribe to us in your favorite podcast app and tell your friends. We want to hear from you. We want you to come join us and play some games. If you're a casual gamer like us where you're just like, I don't have a lot of time to play video games, you can spend like a day or two with us and we'll just set up a day. You know, come join us on our Wednesday Twitch stream if you donate to our 
Patreon. And uh, you can uh, play games with us once a week. That's when I play games. It's once a week on Wednesday. And we stream it. And I get more games in that day than I do any other day. And uh, yeah, it's pretty great. So also, oh yeah, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and tell your friends. Stay tuned. We'll be right back for our video game news. Have you ever found yourself on your way to a friend's house for a land party or a con like DreamHack with no easy way to transport your gear? It's heavy. It's complicated. And you have to deal with about five minutes of parking restrictions. Thanks to our new sponsor, Crazy Pro Gear, you don't have to worry about that. They have an awesome pro-level backpack that can hold any mid-sized tower or smaller, your accessories, peripherals, and everything except your monitor. We used it at QuakeCon 2019, and it was a game changer. You can also use it for board games, video game consoles, and game sticks, and more to make travel to the next convention or friend's house as simple as throwing on your backpack. Head over to theinnergamer.net slash crazy, that is C-R-A-Z-Z-I-E, to purchase gear for your next event. A portion of the proceeds go back to us to support The Inner Gamer. We'll see you at the next con. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. time for our video game news in this segment we share the best headlines from the week in the gaming industry and today first up on the headline this is an interesting one that i saw and i was like it's kind of kind of a crazy sign of i feel like we're we're entering we're entering a new decade and in that new decade 2020 i think companies are starting to hopefully now this is fingers crossed hopefully right but we've seen like ea go back on their word of like oh we only need multiplayer games and make a single player game that was really good We've seen some companies that do loot boxes go back on that, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, um, and go to other forms of making money off of things. We've seen subscription services come out. We have new consoles coming around. And then we've seen PlayStation has come out and said that they are no longer interested in making handheld consoles. And what? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of shocked by this in a way, but I'm also not shocked because I think that with the rise of the switch and how well they perfected that, even though I'm starting to, I wish guys limitations drive me crazy. I want better graphics, but that's, that's fine. Um, but, uh, the switch plus mobile gaming being such a big, big piece and not going anywhere anytime soon. I, I think they've just realized that, you know, we can make the most badass handheld console in the world, but it's still going to come down to the fact that, we have to have developers that are making stuff for this. And if somebody already has a phone in their pocket, it's a lot easier for a developer to go to make a mobile game than it is to make a game exclusive to the system. And Nintendo's got Nintendo properties behind them. PlayStation doesn't have enough of that IP mm-hmm. to like really push that. Plus, Nintendo's console is both. So it doubles. And I always felt like PlayStation was for a more mature uh, market, you know? Yeah. While the Nintendo has captured especially with the 3DS, like that very young, the younger uh, folks and the kind of games related to that, that we see like the, you know, the Pokemon sun and moon, you know, it's very, I don't want to say it's niche, but it's very targeted market. And they were able to capture and make that transition from, well, they've always had the handheld something. And I think it just fit for what they were doing. And that market is one that's going to tend to buy that, console or that handheld device while PlayStation is going for a more teenager and up and then they don't have I mean think about it what games could translate easily from a console to a handheld yeah or something that's going to fit in that universe from that like there's just so many 
different variables and it just no longer fits, especially with the Vita, which they did a lot of, you know, uh, games that were similar to, I don't want to say similar, but like, I feel like they're spinoffs of originals from the original PlayStation home console and it just didn't work. You know, I think they had a good idea. Well, it worked. I mean, Vita was hugely successful. Was it? Oh, it was incredibly successful for a long time. Where yeah. is it? But but the reason it... Where'd it go, Brett? <laughs> because it died out because mobile gaming. That was what happened, is that mobile gaming got so big. But for... as uh, You I mean, could argue, like... Vita is a success story. Well, what about the Game Boys? They continued to push forward after all this time. Not anymore. Well, actually, not... Well, yeah, obviously not anymore. But now, yeah. you know, they moved on to 3DS and they moved on to yeah. the Switch, so... Obviously, 3DS is gone, but yeah. Nintendo's been able to hold that handheld market for quite a yeah. while. I mean, the Vita, they haven't, Vita hasn't been dead for very long. I mean, they just killed it, I think, like a couple of years ago. Right. Um, but, so it's it's fairly new, but we did expect them to have a release in 2013 is when it came okay. out, November of 2013. So it came out, uh, it came out the same time as the PlayStation 4. So that wasn't that long ago. And now, I mean, it, man, it felt like it was before that. I thought, well, they had the PS, PSP, uh, so the PlayStation Portable, yeah. and then they made the PS Vita, which is a higher-end version. Okay, oh, that's right, yeah. that's right. And then in 2018, so literally September of last year, is when they discontinued the Vita. So it's very, very new that they stopped making it. And then now we're at a point where I, I, I understand where they're going because there's no reason to combat against Nintendo because mm-hmm. no. they have a two-in-one console. But PlayStation is all about high graphics, high fidelity, top-notch storytelling, and you can't do that with the two-in-one, as exactly. we've learned with the Switch. Exactly. Um, and the mobile gaming is so big, I think it makes sense for them to try and maybe do, maybe put more money into the PlayStation Now situation and kind of do akin to what xCloud's doing with Microsoft, where mm. that is something that you can install on your mobile phone or you can install on your other peripherals that you already have with you. Um so I think it makes sense. It's just kind of yeah. it's kind of a bummer to see that they're doing this, but people, I mean, hardware is difficult. I was listening to a podcast today saying that they think that, you know, even though Xboxes bring out a new hardware, piece of hardware, they're all about they want their services sold because they don't make a lot of money off of their uh their right. their consoles. Right. They make a shit ton off of those services. Yep. yep. And um yeah, so it's it's interesting to see. Well, see think, that process change. I think I think they're doing the right thing. Like I, I know we talked about, you know, maybe we could see PlayStation Five as a hybrid handheld as well, and it could be interesting to see what they could do with that. Obviously, I felt like technology isn't there for them to make the 4K gaming along with a handheld device. No, but we um, saw Shield try it, you know, and that fell on its face. Yeah, that's true. So that didn't then. But do it was so using hot. different technology, wasn't it? Wasn't it streaming it? No, it was using it was built in. It was using oh, okay. like the Snapdragon. I think it's using the same technology that's now in the Quest. Okay, interesting. Um, but it just wasn't. It's a. I mean, it's it's another peripheral right. that you have to carry with you. Yeah. And yeah. the Switch was able to make a portable peripheral that you carry with you that also can dock at your house or dock at anybody's house that has a dock. Right. So that's got a multi-use utility, whereas mm-hmm. this thing. That little shield. Plus, the shield wasn't a portable. I mean, yeah. it was a controller with a screen on top of it, and the PS Vita is like you hold yeah, it not, there, not friendly to carry around. Yeah, places. But I mean, these these phones, you know, they're just 
their uh, phone that sticks in your pocket yeah. and then you can pull oh, it yeah. out and just start playing freaking 4k games on it and yeah. go crazy so well i mean they, they found what works they're doing it right and they're doing it very successful so yeah i say stay the course why change it why try to you know add another thing on that might split the fan base or yeah. you know the user base and I mean, I'm not split in a negative way, just like, you know, some people might go this way opposed to buying both or, you know. So, yeah. I mean, they're killing it. They're, they're beating out. They basically won the console war, in my opinion. So, yeah. I mean, you see what happens with uh, um, when you split your products too much and have too many uh, basically barcodes, you know, too many products out there on the market. Like, whenever uh, iPhone came out, um, they started expanding to they had like the big one and the small one and then they're like let's add a third version that's made of aluminum let's add this version yeah it's cheaper it's harder to sell what's good about it whereas that's what made apple successful was like we have one phone and it's an iphone and you should buy it and they focused in on that and made it great and it did super super well for them and i think that's what playstation and xbox has seen here is that you make one console um, Xbox not as much, but like PlayStation, you make one console, you upgrade it to PS4 Pro, you're good, and then let's do the next console, and then focus in on the experience around that, right? To to propel things forward. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm happy excited. with I'm happy with this. They're making the right decision. As much as I want to like have a PlayStation Vita, like there's no games that I can think, especially then. Like I know a lot of people are like, well, they stopped making games for this. How do they expect this to survive? And like games were announced to come out on the PlayStation Vita, and they just never did. Yep. And it was just like, man, what is going on here? At least from when I was hearing other fanboys talking about it. It was never my thing, you know. Yeah. It seemed cool, but, like, it was never my thing. And yeah. um, Up until, yeah. had the Switch not come out, <clears throat> there was there was still a huge market for Vita. Mm-hmm. But the Switch took that any market that was left away. So, but again, point, like, the games coming no out on market. Vita, there was nothing I ever saw that was like, man, I should get a Vita. Yeah, you know, It was always like, oh, it's just... Okay, like cool, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think there is there is definitely. I think it just depends on what you're what you're into. I mean, right, if you're, right. If you're like hardcore PlayStation fanboy, like there's a boatload of fan service games that were on there. Like if you're in like all the Final Fantasies and all this and all that, that there was there was a slew of them that came out that were very good experiences right. on that system. And it seems like but they were designed for that system. Right. They weren't dual use it seems like it was more the hardcore people hardcore playstation fanboys who were on that yeah exactly so i understand it yeah so for people that i mean like we play playstation because we love the exclusives but we're not i don't think either of us are we're not hardcore playstation people right we're 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 not like you know into those those the old titles that have been around forever that are like oh man this is the this is my shit like final fantasy for example like yeah um that's a big one and yeah i just i think it's it's a different different time but it's yeah it's good that they're doing this i think it's a smart smart move to just focus in on their bread and butter exactly build up some services all that stuff i think that'll be a good call for them um next story we have we talked a while back about riot games having some issues with sexism within (laughs) uh (laughs) the company and women uh protesting outside of the company because they felt like they were getting less um uh they weren't even though they were doing the same types of roles they were getting less pay and less privileges and all that stuff um so they won 
and Riot Games is to pay $10 million to female employees in a lawsuit settlement. So they were sued for a violation of the California Equal Pay Act. Um, and if you go back to just search for our, one of our podcasts where we talk about Riot Games, it uh, <coughs> we talked a lot about the protests and all the stuff that was happening around this, but um, it was back in November 2018 when this first happened. And now it's finally come to its head a year later, and they are getting their payouts. Around 1,000 employees will be eligible for a share of the $10 million payout, depending on tenure, length, and status at the company. So not much else to say about this, but, I mean... Yeah. hey, that's good. I think it was I think it was good that they <laughs> did it because it sounded like it was pretty bullshit what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> it's, it's the right direction. But hey, bro, you gonna you gonna die again in this podcast? Oh no, I'm good. I just I'll, I'll get some water here in a little. Okay, bit. No, I'm good. <laughs> I'm surviving. Since um, last podcast or the one before that, you're like <laughs> every two words. I was like, oh my gosh, it was terrible. Uh, so yeah, Riot Games, ten million dollars settle settlement. So <clears throat> yes, so Call of Duty, Modern Warfare. <laughs> you want to cough again? <laughs> no, I'm good. Modern Warfare. Uh, big season one update has arrived, and with it comes a slew of microtransactions that we waited for. Um, I know you waited for this, obviously. I mean, awesome. There's a 100-tier battle pass you can jump into I right am now. so like, ready. Just go, I mean, Austin's about ready Red. to like, leave his chair and go download it. And Going right it. now? So I just want to talk about this real quick because uh, it's we knew it was coming, and um, I wish I wish they just just, just wouldn't do it. But what they did do is they released some new maps for gunfight mode. They brought out some old Call of Duty 4 maps that are back. Um, you have maps like uh, Crash, which is awesome. And um, there's a few others, which I am not finding the names of right now, but they are good maps. And they were classics from the old Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Um, and this in this 100-tier battle pass... You can buy stuff outright, like you can just buy weapons and gear and whatever That's nice. with uh, money, or yeah. you can sign for the battle pass, which is, again, 100 tiers, and um, you basically have to pay for the battle pass in order to get the majority of the unlocks, um, but when you get it, it skips you to 100, up 20 tiers, and then there are some free tiers, but the really good stuff is if you pay for the tier, and then there's new operators, there's a bunch of different weapons. Interesting. Um, I don't know all kinds of stuff, and there's it, a rank of 155 in this game, which wow. is crazy. So I mean, what, 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 what is this? Like, who, who's still playing Call of Duty? I know, I know, there's a sh- fan base out there, but Austin, I think you're think it's that big. Really? Yeah, it's like the biggest game right now. Is it? Yeah, I don't know, man. Not the biggest game. I mean, Lee I was like Fortnite is probably still pretty big. I don't know. It's well, actually, I do know it is very large. It is a huge fan base. Because it's not on Steam, so there's like no way to actually see concurrent numbers right now. So unless I don't know about that. But maybe maybe Brett does. We won't I, know until Brett looks it up. I will find <laughs> out for you. Okay, thank no, you. There's still a lot of people playing. I mean, it's Call of Duty. Like nobody's gonna not play the game. I know. I guess I just don't roll, roll in those groups anymore. <clears throat> uh okay, so Call of Duty four. No, that's modern. That's the wrong one. Wrong, <laughs> wrong game. Internet has failed you again, Brett. Yep, I know it's terrible. This is why we don't trust technology anymore. I mean, it was a good. It's 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 a very good game. I still like I just, it. Yeah, but I mean, like if I compare, well, this is just me. If I compare it to like Apex, I want to play Apex. Like I would put down Call of Duty. When did you when did you play Apex last? Have you played recently? No. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I haven't played Call of Duty either, so. Well, I know. I'm just saying. I just. Yeah. I was seeing the other day. I haven't played Call of, or Apex in a while. Yeah. Same here. I've kind of like dropped off of it, but I'm still playing respawn games. So I'm playing Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Yes. Yes. So yes, there's a little yes. bit of that too. Yes. Um, yes. You know, it's really funny because I'm trying to look up Call of Duty active player count, but I keep getting Call of Duty 4 because, again, I still hate the fact that they called it the same name. That's stupid. You know what I mean? They could have put, I mean? put a number. I think if you put 2019, they probably... I did. Oh. I did. Oh, that's not good. Well, you know, we really don't need to look that up, Brett. It's fine. Yeah, but um, I will assure you that it is doing very well. Um, it's Call of Duty game. It's it's. I'm sure playing, it is. I'm sure it is playing about as well as it could. Um, in the world of Steph. So, yeah. so moving it's, on. It's one of the best ones of the year. Yeah, yeah. All right, Rocket League. Yes. <laughs> when I first heard about this, I was really excited actually because I got in. I got in a Rocket League kick um, earlier this year and was playing a shit ton of Rocket League again, and um, just was having were. a blast with it. And uh, I haven't played in a little bit. I've, I've lost that mojo. But while I was really dedicated. Mm-hmm. And I remember when they announced that there was uh, going to be a change in their battle pass system. And instead of having battle passes, they were going to get rid of loot boxes mm-hmm. and go to these things called blueprints. So all the keys that you had purchased um, that would be used to unlock a crate um, to get a random item, a single random item. Uh, would instead be replaced with uh, equivalents of blueprints instead. And the blueprints will let you see what you're getting and choose whether to spend your credits on it or not. So when it arrived, your crates have been turned into unrevealed blueprints. And I have like 15 of them. So um, I'm excited to check that out. And um, many players are taking to Reddit to complain about this change already. So they said the customization upgrades are now prohibitively expensive and much harder to get your hands on. Thread and Reddit has people complaining from players about prices. As of now, it has 1,700 replies. And they're noting that things that like are exotic wheels or whatever are massively marked up. So before, if you had bought 23 keys, you would get 23 items. Now a single, co- single item might cost the same in credits as 23 keys would have cost. Um, which for a key I think was two dollars, which means that that would be like twenty six, no forty six dollars to buy an item, Holy which doesn't sound right. Holy shit! So I haven't myself gone in to see this, but I was excited for this system because I thought the loot box system was effing garbage like absolute <laughs> surprise surprise absolute horse shit loot box and the reason garbage. for that is like you so you have these the way that they have the system design is you have these different types of crates and you have like a rainbow crate and you have like a hardcore crate or whatever different types of crates and each type of crate you would see here's what you could potentially get out of this crate and there was epic items legendary items regular common items whatever you would get one thing in that crate that was in that list of say 30, 30, 40 items or right, whatever. Right. So you get a key either by unlocking it through the battle pass, which I think you got a key like every 10 levels or something. So it took a little bit of time to get it. Mm-hmm. Or you mm-hmm. would get a key by paying $1.99. And then that would, I think it was $1.99. That would give you a key that you can then unlock one single crate, which gave you one single item. Right. Um, most of the time. And then here's the other thing too, is the skins that you get now are tied to a specific car. 
So if you unlock a skin that's like a really because they have animated skins now that oh. aren't just like flat vinyls, they that's like cool. have like motion and craziness going on them. Yeah. Um, ninety percent of those skins are tied to a specific car type. So not only are you unlocking wow. a skin that you like, but you have to use that car in association with it. You may not like that car, but you like that skin. You can't mix and match. So you would unlock a thing and you get it, and I'd be like, like literally, I'd open ten crates. And I got pissed off every time because I never get the one I wanted, and I was upset. So for me, like I'd rather pay more money just to get the few things that I do want, and then just not pay for anything else. Like there's not a lot of stuff in each season pass right. that I really want, <clears throat> but knowing that I can just pay for it outright. But maybe if it's like fifteen dollars for a car skin, like no, I probably don't want to pay that. Yeah, no. I mean, it feels like why why did they just combine the two? Either buy this outright or hope you get it in a loot box. You know that would be at least then interesting. You, you have that choice, and what you're saying is definitely how I kind of felt about Hearthstone. When you can just put in some credits, obviously, you know, give them money, you get the in-game currency, and you can buy the exact skin that you want. And obviously, better-looking skins cost a little bit more money. I was like, well, now I customize my guy to be the one I want to look like. So when I go in there, I feel special and unique, and I'm kicking ass, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I wanted. Like, I had no problems doing that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just cosmetic. I got what I wanted, and they got the money. Okay, yeah. So here's a here's a breakdown. So in the shop, 500 credits are $499, 1100 are $999, and $30,000 are $25. So some wheels, like the Infinium wheels, cost fourteen hundred credits, which is a little more than ten dollars. So for a single set of wheels, you got to pay ten bucks. Dang, that is overpriced, and I agree with that. A wheel set should be like maybe three bucks. Yeah, you know, maybe that's it. Because I mean, like, let me go. I mean, if I could buy like ten items for like three or four dollars a piece, I'd buy ten items, spend like thirty bucks, and get like a, bu- a bunch of new stuff to like outfit my car. Yeah. Sure, but I'm not paying for one set of wheels for $10. So, yes, I the idea here is what should be happening, but lower these prices. Like, seriously, make it a little bit more realistic. Thanks, Epic. Yeah. Well, this is Synonics, but... Oh, no, they did buy them. Fucking shit, you're right. No, thanks, Tencent, you dicks. Oh, yeah. Dicks. I just listened to a podcast about Tencent and oh. their rise to like growth and stuff. <laughs> yes. Dude, they have a crazy history. Like they had a chat app called QQ that I never even heard about. QQ? Yeah. They like started in chat before they ever got into games. Wow. And they were doing like they were like basically the first ones to ever put microtransactions into a chat app that you would pay for like little emojis and stickers and shit. Um, wow. So they did that and they were, wow. they created microtransactions. So Tencent oh is the reason God. that they exist. And it just snowballed from there. Fuck <coughs> you, Tencent. That's right. Fuck you. All right. More sad stuff. Um, in the Valley of the Gods, in the Valley of Gods was a follow up game from the creators of Over or Firewatch. <laughs> Overwatch. <laughs> creators of Firewatch, Campo Santo. Great Campo, game. I you know. had high regards with it. Freaking awesome. They had an amazing thing where you could take photos in the game and then they print an office into you. I still have them in there. They're Holy amazing. Holy shit. That is yeah. amazing. It was super cool. Um, awesome game. Lots of fun. The guys that were in that uh, group were also had a podcast called Idle Thumbs, which was inspiration for us to start our podcast. Mm-hmm. 
So that was they're really no cool. longer with us. Um, yeah, they don't do much podcast. I think they still have a podcast, but uh, yeah, they don't do idle thumbs anymore. Yeah, though. no. Um, so in the Valley of Gods was our follow up game, and it looked awesome. And it was supposed to be about what we lose when we die. And um, they have come out and recently said that, and they were also, I think, last year purchased by Valve and brought in because they were loving this game and they love the team. Um, the game is currently on hold due to them pulling the team off to work on other games such as Half-Life Alex, and then Dota uh, Underlords and those kinds of things. So we don't know when they will be resuming it, if they ever will resume it. But um, apparently one of the writers was like really, really into this, cared about it, and then uh, was giving some insight into how it looked. And um, hopefully they can get back into it, but it may not be coming for a while. But uh, the the Fife was his name. He was writing Duncan Fife. He said that this is, quote, the best and most empowering job I've ever had. And he talks about getting to write on the follow-up and the research that went into writing for this game. I wanted to make myself invaluable to this game and to an amazing team by becoming a person who knew what it meant to tell a mystery adventure story in 1920s in Egypt. Um, so he spent time poring over 19th century maps, guidebooks, cartouche diagrams, tomb plans, uh, excavation reports, etc. So it's, um, it's pretty interesting. But he got really, really dedicated to this and... It's currently on hold. And that's kind of sad because we talked about last week with Battleborn getting shut down and how the writer was so just like heartbroken that this game that they put so much love into just is going to cease to exist and never, nobody can ever play it again. And I'm hoping that this doesn't suffer the same fate. Yeah, dang. I mean, I understand that the main creators of Campo Santo are probably like, fuck yeah, we're going to work on Half-Life Alex." Yeah, but I mean, they're like, probably all, all about it, but it's dang. like they also have this labor of love that they were doing. And it's, it's like something that gets lost when you move yeah. into another Like, I know world. Half-Life is amazing, but what if this was going to be like, I mean, this is very out, way out there, but, you know, like a new Half-Life type thing. Because they yeah. told a pretty good story with Firewatch, and they could only improve from there. Oh, yeah. So it's sure. like, damn. But they it might have been good, the thing they where they told it's, a good story with The Walking Dead too, and that, that was the only good one. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So they know how to tell a story. So I mean, it's good to work on the Al Half Life Alex team because you know, that should be better because of it. But I mean, maybe if we get Half Life Three at some point, and it's amazing, then we're like, okay, this is a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was fair. It was fair. Uh, yeah. Last article we have this. This was a shocker to me. This is gonna be my WTF. This I is think. a shocker. Yes, because it just came out of left field. I mean, I don't. I mean, yeah, the Elder Scrolls Legends is shutting down. Uh, Bethesda Ooh, ends development what? on the card. About no, it's just it's just because like they were they've been supporting it for so long, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, by the way, it's it's gone. It's done. We're just <laughs> it's gone. We're just gonna shut and it down. It's gone, and it's gone. But uh, the community manager yesterday said that the uh, development has ended. And that cancels their console launch that Bethesda announced at E3 2018. And uh, any new development or release will be put on hold indefinitely. That also means the card set promised in the April development roadmap has been canceled too. Online and single modes are still playable, and Bethesda will support online play with monthly rewards and in-game events. Mm -hmm. But they are no longer actively putting money towards developing it bigger. So last year, last summer, Bethesda 
fired the studio, Dire Wolf Digital put it working on it and then put Sparky Pants Studios in charge instead. And Pete Hines wasn't happy with Dire Wolf's performance and uh, but said that they had a lot of potential with this game. So um, time has gone on and I guess there isn't as much potential and they have officially killed the project. So it is not... I mean, I don't know if it's going to come back. I don't know if this means like it's done, done for good, but... I was kind of shocked that they like poured money. Like this is the first time I've ever heard like this should have, I, I would rather this say fallout 76 has been shut down. <laughs> I know. Right. That would make more sense to me because that should be shut down. But this was kind of a surprise just cause I, I thought people, I thought it had a fan base and people liked it and uh, that's whatever. I don't I care mean, about it anyway, it, but <laughs> obviously the mainstream games for Bethesda have quite a big fan base. Uh, I think little things like this, you have the hardcore people definitely getting into it, and obviously it reaches over the aisle a little bit, pulling in people who like games like this. Mm-hmm. But you know, I try to play it. I try to get into it. You know, I thought it might be a more mature Hearthstone and something that I could, you know, be a little more casual with whenever I wanted to. But you know, it was fine. The, the, the same thing with Hearthstone. It's just something I don't want to get into. There's a lot of mechanics to it. It's a whole thing where you got to keep up with the seasons and learn the best stuff. It's like I'm just not that hardcore with it and so i it's probably not for me obviously but i just didn't hear anyone talking about this game minus going to QuakeCon and stuff like that and i'm sure they get a small boost because they'd always give people a little free card pack or whatever like booster pack you know with a code and stuff and it's Mm -hmm. like okay cool yeah like jump in get this booster pack check it out you know try to get some get some play time on there but it's just it didn't seem compelling because you know we went to (coughs) QuakeCon two years ago and i guess they had just released it a few months ago or something like that and i can't remember me and luis were there with you and we played it and you know it was okay but it's nothing like hearthstone i mean even hearthstone's starting to fall or drop in numbers so i just don't see this i just didn't see it succeeding you know maybe there's a obviously there was a fan base that kept it alive for a short amount of time but yeah i just no like same with their mobile games like i don't know if that's going to continue to be anything worthwhile right um just no, like I agree focus with that. on your mainline games. Yeah. It's like <laughs> after Fallout 4, I felt like there was this gigantic push, at least in my eyes, gigantic push to make like all this, you know, apparel, all the games, f- stuffed animals, clothes, uh, you know, coffee cups, you know, little fan things that you can, you know, fake pit boy thing you put on your arm, like just everything. Like, what can we make and sell to people? And Fallout 4 was a good. Starting point in my eyes because there's a lot of stuff there. You know, everyone liked Fallout 4 for the most part, and we're like, oh, I'm gonna they probably did it because they were like, well, we're not gonna have another like big mainline game for a couple years, so let's just like put out merchandise and get people super hyped on this. Yeah, these brands, mm-hmm. and then eventually we'll have another game that's good. And then and they start doing spinoffs like this, and it just seems like they got very business oriented, which is fine. Like that's not a bad thing, but I felt like. I could clearly see that something was had changed in Bethesda that I had not seen before. So I'm not surprised. Yeah. Honestly, I'm yeah. not surprised. Well, it's gone. The end. No Goodbye. Way. I'm not sad. I'm not sad <laughs> either. I'm not I'm not at all. It's supposed to come with consoles too, and it's not. Everyone's like, well, when's this coming out? That's a terrible idea. We have a console. Anyway. We, it doesn't make sense on a console. I know. Make that a mobile phone game. Like it makes sense on a mobile phone. Right. And they have it on mobile, but yeah, but no. not on a freaking console. It's dumb. Well, apparently they're still gonna have like events and things like that. Right. But there's not gonna be any more expansions. So Yeah. Oh well. Saddy well, sad. 
On that note, if you want to watch these in video format, you can check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash the inner gamer and subscribe to get the videos as they launch. Make sure you bang that bell and we will be right back with our discussion topic on games over the last decade. Holy shit. We're ending a decade. You this sound is so excited. Dude, I'm super excited. Games over this the is, last This is decade. fucking crazy. And we're about to start <laughs> oh, right now in three, two, one. everybody we break down a hot topic in the gaming industry uh this week we're gonna break down a topic of why the fuck are you doing that <laughs> by you he means me his co-host os morales that's right that's or right. the host os morales he's my co-host we're gonna talk about video games <laughs> and uh we are entering a really weird turning point a very crazy turning point a momentous turning point, and that is a new decade. We are transitioning from 2019 and 2020, and 2020 is shaping up to be what could be one of the most intense and possibly greatest years in video games ever. Of all time, time, of time, all time, time. of all the decades so far, far, far. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. Today we're going to talk about the last decade. We're going to do a... Discussion on the decade in gaming, a review of the last decade starting in 2010 to 2019. In researching this, it's amazing how much has changed over the last 10 years. Um, how many games have come out that I like have had in my mind as these are influential games of my time, of my childhood, and then realized they came out 10 years ago, which is not my childhood. Yeah, I know, <laughs> it's right? It's a little bit different. I know. It's I just, like, it all runs together. That's crazy. Um, so a lot of stuff has happened. Uh, we've seen microtransactions come to fruition in a very strong way. Mm-hmm. We've uh, seen worlds become way more open thanks to games like Skyrim and stuff like that. We've seen artificial intelligence getting smarter and graphics now looking better than they've ever looked before. Um, and with that, we want to look back at some of these and what made these past several years great and identify what really gave identity the past decade in gaming. So we're first going to go through each decade and just kind of cover some top-level stuff, hit the high points and the low points of each year, and then we're going to close up with what was going to be our top five games that we felt were most influential, but instead it's like our top seven or eight, <laughs> and then some of them may not be games. They may be something else, and uh, you'll it's, find out. It was hard. It was so hard. Super oh my hard. God. Like you In the guys first two tried. years, I could have easily filled up my top five. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, had to change all that. Yeah, no, that's a lot. So we're going to start in 2010. We're going to go back to 2010. And in 2010, um, I was still in college. Austin, you were in college, I think, maybe, like in your senior year probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Come yeah. on, man. You were in, like, your film program and stuff like that. Come on, man. And uh, I was 20. Austin was 40. 21. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, you were 21? Yeah. Oh, shit, so you just started drinking back then. <laughs> Or maybe. <laughs> uh, I was starting. legal. <laughs> I had already drank Dude, that's a lot crazy. before that Man, that, that, puts, that puts everything in perspective right then. So you can kind of get an idea of where we were. We weren't oh. partying well, yet. the perspective of who I am. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a perspective uh, of who he is, yeah, too. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, okay. yeah, raging out. And I was kidding. <laughs> but this is a good time. So, like, a couple of games that came out that year. We have Mass Effect 2, Call of Duty Black Ops, Red Dead Redemption, StarCraft 2, Limbo, New Vegas, Alan Wake, Heavy Rain, Super Mario Galaxy 2, and Super Meat Boy. Um, 
that's a lot of stuff. Some stuff that I didn't realize can't like, like first and foremost, I want to talk about, we got to talk about Red Dead Redemption. Cause like that game was the shit. Yeah. And I still look back on that game as such a memory. It's not on my list, but it needs to be. I know. I kind of, I thought about it. And it's one of those, I can't call it influential as far as like the vast world of gaming goes. Cause I don't think it necessarily changed gaming in any direction, but you can still look back at that point in time and say that was a <laughs> damn good example of storytelling. Well, and I, I guess I yeah. mean, that kind of is. A, I say it a is trait. because it's like everyone's like, "Oh yeah, remember Red Dead Redemption? This was cool. That was cool. Like I remember having fun in that game." It's yeah. like even all the way back then, people are still talking about it now. That's Up true. into Red Dead Redemption Two, obviously, still now, like people are still playing that. You know, so yeah. it's like it is an influential game. It's left a mark on people. Yeah, that's why. That's when I'm kind of like tailoring my list too. So right, yeah. Well, maybe you should update it. I, I, already, update. I already updated with one. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I'm at eight right now. You yeah. only put me at nine. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should make it ten. I don't know. Uh, then we got a Matt. You know, Mass Effect Two. That's such a huge game. It's the second in the franchise, but Mass Effect Two is where the Mass Effect series like came into its own. And Mass Effect One had a lot of flaws, despite the fact that the story was really solid. Mass Effect Two is like, yeah, this game is this is good. Story is good. Characters are good. Like gameplay is not great. a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, as they used to have. Brett, do I make this a ten? <laughs> <laughs> like I'm serious. It's so hard. This Basically is so hard. All of them in I know. You know? <laughs> I yeah. know. It's tricky. And then like you have Fallout New Vegas, which I know you like New Vegas, right? I never I actually never played it. Wait, what? Yeah, I you know. did? Mm-mm. Yeah, you modded that. I tried to. Oh. I didn't get yeah. very far because I could it kept crashing, so I stopped playing that. Damn. But I didn't play it originally. R.I.P. I know. R.I.P. But everyone says that that was such a good Fallout game. Yeah. Obsidian. Yes. Obsidian made. Creators it. of the Outer Worlds. Yeah. Go check it out. Uh StarCraft 2 came out. That's wild. Yeah, way Didn't back think then. I would ever see that. Uh, no. That was 2010, and that just started like a whole new thing. Uh, Limbo, I think, is one of those games. I almost put this on my list for indie games. Like Limbo was huge. It was it was massive success as far as you know. We have these big AAA games, and then you have Limbo in this list. Indie game yeah. blew up out of nowhere. Have, and then Holy Super shit! Meat Boy. Like these are yeah. games that are. This was the early days of indie games actually have a stake. In, mm-hmm. in 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 our lives and can also become big, huge powerhouses of money makers. Like they're not just gonna make a couple hundred thousand dollars, they're gonna make <laughs> lots of money. And Limbo was that one. Yeah. So so and that's Super Meat Boy. Cool. Both of them blew up so fast. Oh yeah. All right. We're gonna move on to twenty eleven. Uh, I can't not talk about Alan Wake real fast. Oh, okay, okay. Alan Wake was fucking awesome. Yes, it was. It was great. Story was great. Gameplay was awesome. Memories are so solid of that game. Awesome. Loved it. 2011. Let's move on to that. Cool. The big behemoth of 2011. Yes. Skyrim. The game of 2011. The game of 2011. Fucking Skyrim, man. It's it's amazing to me how much this game has impacted the world. And I want to I was going to put on my my list, but at the same time, I I just never liked it. I no, I understand. I I mean, it was it was not fine, but it's just and I just don't understand why it blew up so much. And just like, I mean, it's still, they brought out a Skyrim game last year, like eight years later. And I'm like, 
why? Why do people love this so much? And I get like, you know, dragons and stuff and open world exploration, but I mean, what was the key thing for you? Was that, that exploration or what? Well, yeah, because you could go do, you can go find someone on the side of the road and it will lead you down a quest. And sometimes those would be almost just as big as the main quest and sometimes bigger. Like cert, like weird stuff like that, what you could ha- find in the world, and then like dungeons, you might find. Obviously, dungeons there's a lot of cool gear, so like you want to dive into that. And sometimes there's a story with the dungeon, and sometimes you might find some kind of weird hidden path with some kind of cool, like someone died here. Here's a note about what happened, you know. And it's like, oh, and then you can start putting stories together, making your own stories, and it wasn't just like here's a world, and that's it. Yeah. It was like, here's a world with a bunch of interesting things that have happened. Like, it's a real, it felt like, a, for the first time, a real living, breathing world with things for you to go explore every nook and cranny. Yeah. So yeah. that's why <laughs> I think people really enjoyed it. Right. Um, well, not only did Skyrim come out that year, we had Dark Souls, <laughs> which yeah. is, is wild. Not only did we have Dark Souls, but we also had Minecraft come out that year. That's crazy. As a official like release. Right. I don't remember so, that. So Minecraft, Dark Souls and Skyrim were all three and huge games. Arkham. Arkham, yeah. I w- probably not as influential, no. but still very influential. Yeah. Well, this is Arkham City. So this is like the second one in it, but it was cool because it was open world, full open world right. or more open world than the one before. Yeah. True, true. That was really good. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, you're right. But but the first yeah. one was definitely more influential. Minecraft um I love Minecraft when it first came out. Like I played the shit out of that for a long time. Oh yeah, you did. And the yeah, fact that it was just like a bunch of boxes, but the 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 sheer like breadth of creativity that could be discovered in that game by building structures and then con- you know connecting them together with freaking minecarts and then fighting off the little zombie creatures. And I never really did a lot of the survival mode. I was just like, I want to build shit. Yeah, and it was like building Legos with an infinite amount of Lego pieces, and that was what made it so special. And it's still to this day. I mean, there's people that make a living off of Minecraft videos, and uh, it's crazy. That's man. insane. It's crazy. But uh, and then Dark Souls created the Souls like franchise, which yep. is nuts. But um, that was that was that was the year Battlefield Three was out. I mean, that was that one was of big. our favorite Battlefield games. Yes, of all time. That was that was something special. Um, Uncharted 3, which was yeah, it's fine. It was good. Yeah. But Deus Ex Human Revolution, that was a new return to Deus Ex, which was actually really good, and I enjoyed right. it. I played that a lot. Didn't like it. You didn't like it? I didn't like it. Well, you're dumb. I'm just kidding. So I got pretty far in that game. I read yeah. it, so I like, tried to like beeline the, the right. story. and Yeah, it was okay. Yeah. I, mean, I had fun, but it's, I wouldn't say it was amazing. Yeah. Then we had Portal 2, which I don't think had the charm of Portal 1 right? because it got big and they blew blew it up a lot bigger but it was still it was a fun game yeah but that brings us to 2012 which uh 2012 is the year of some good games and some really bad games yes but some good games uh on the good side i would say the walking dead telltale series oh yeah the one that put telltale on the map mm-hmm. um that existed that was huge i think XCOM was pretty well received borderlands 2 was like what catapulted Borderlands into stardom. Mm-hmm. Like, Borderlands 1 was good, but it didn't have quite the audience yet. Borderlands 2 was awesome. Yes. And I can't believe that was 2012, because now 2019, oh, here we are <coughs> seven years later, it took we finally ever. got one that came out. Um, Journey came out that year, which yeah, was that's good. Indie, hugely popular. Indie title. Huge, huge indie title from that game company. 
Um, Halo 4 was fine. Yeah, it was fine. AC3 was fine. Was uh, fine. Assassin's Creed 3, that is yeah. what that is. Far Cry Dis- 3 was fine. Yeah. Dishonored was... Yeah, yeah it, was, it, it was good. A lot of people liked it. That's true. It was a surprise title for some people, but it wasn't like... It wasn't for everybody. didn't capture everybody's audience, but um, that was an okay. And then Mass Effect 3, which I thought was good, but a lot of people were upset that right. it ended the franchise or the, the trilogy. Way, the way it did. You know, yeah. It wasn't as They were trying to enjoyable. do a lot. I mean, I, you've been making this game for I don't know how many years at that point. It's like you need to end it. I can understand people are burnt out. Yeah. Because you've been spending like Mass Effect 2. It, it's like Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Right? Mass Effect 2 was Empire Strikes Back. Mass Effect 3 was like Return of the Jedi. It ended. It was good. But it wasn't amazing. Obviously, there's issues with it. So Yeah. But that brings us to 2013, which this was this year is is something interesting. I was 23. You were 24. And we had Grand Theft Auto V, The Last of Us, Assassin's Creed Four: Black Flag, mm-hmm. Bioshock Infinite, the reboot of Tomb Raider, Dota 2, Battlefield <laughs> 4, Gone Home, and PlayStation 4 and Xbox One came out. God dang, that's a big year. That's a <laughs> that's a crazy year of gaming. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um I mean, Grand Theft Auto V is still the biggest franchise probably in gaming history uh, as far as just, like, revenue streams. I mean, it's still people are playing it. They're still releasing content for it freaking six years later. Uh, That's mind-blowing. It's it's nuts. And that was an awesome, awesome game. When they announced that, I was so happy. And I'm hoping we get a GTA 6 coming here soon <laughs> might be another few years yeah last of us i feel like was awesome for storytelling mm-hmm. i know you had mixed feelings about it right um i still agree the story great. was the amazing yeah so um bioshock infinite freaking awesome yeah, such oh, yeah. a good game um i wouldn't say last... it was super influential but i mean for the last of the bioshock series that's yeah. pretty good i thought this is a good example of uh art direction in video games mm-hmm. like the art direction here was was one of the best i've ever seen um, for just building this world out that just looks so has such a unique characteristic and style to it. Right, it's really really impressive. And then PS4 and Xbox came out, which not everybody played it that year. I bought it in in 2013. Um, and back then you had like a lot of re-releases, and then you had <coughs> Killzone, Shadowfall, and that was like the big one. That was about it. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, there was a few others, but like Lego came out. I just or remember, like that. yeah, I was still on my Xbox 360. I was like, man, what do I get? Like, I, I knew I wanted to get something, but I didn't know what to get. Yeah. It wasn't until 2014 I think I got it. Yeah. And then uh, Gone Home was amazing, but I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. And then Black Flag. I never played a lot of Black Flag, but that's still regarded as the best Assassin's Creed game ever. And that right. came out in 2013. So since then, it's still considered one of the best games yeah. ever. Then we have 2014. We've arrived. Interesting year. With uh, Yeah, this is an interesting year. Another fall, Far Cry comes out, but we have Destiny. Yeah. Halo, Bungie, they're like, we're back, but we're not with Halo anymore. We have Destiny. I would say it's actually pretty influential. I do. Too. I agree. It's not yeah. on my list, but I say it's pretty big. I mean, it's still going strong. Like, we thought yeah, Destiny too it was kind of hard garbage for a while after yeah. some time. But, I mean, here we are six years later, and it's still kicking people hey, play our, it every our night. podcasts are out at this point so go check them out that's <laughs> way back in the day oh wait not yet 2015 not yet. i don't know we have 2014 don't we no nope. we talked about destiny 
Uh, we do talk about Destiny, but not until 2015. Oh, okay. With my Dick bad. King and stuff like that. My yeah. bad. My bad. Yeah, because we launched our first podcast September 9th of 2015. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I jumped again there. Jumped it a little bit. Jumped a little bit. But there was a lot of good stuff that, that year. Shadow of Mordor was pretty big. People loved that game, I think. Yes. Yeah, it was well-received. That was a pretty cool, cool change in the world. Um, the Evil Within came out, which was fine. Watch Dogs was meh. New Colossus was awesome. It was good. Wolfenstein. Yes, very good. That was a great return to the Wolfenstein franchise. South Park Stick of Truth. Hell yes. Loved it. Mm. Had some flaws, but I mean, it's South Park, so you can't can't fault it. Yeah. Divinity Original Sin came out that year, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Didn't even... Sadly, it's not... No, that yeah. was that big then. Right. It wasn't until Original Sin 2 came out that it really hit, right. hit home with people, but... Um, we Sadly, also, it wasn't that influential, I feel like. No, it's good. Good game. Yeah, it was on on the uh, on the verge. It, it found a really solid um, uh, cult following, and then when two came out, it was like game over. Mm. This is this is the shit. And then it won all the awards and all that good stuff. So that was cool. Uh, but Hearthstone came out, the card game from you know Blizzard twenty fourteen. Huh? Little something in Blizzard. Yeah, I know the fact that that's still that's a long time ago. The card game started. Yes, like I didn't realize yes. that. So very influential, actually. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's made a lot of. I mean, they're still making expansion packs for this thing, which is yeah. crazy. Um, but that moves us into 2015, which 2015 is a very interesting year because I feel like it's it's a year of there's a few highlights, then there's a lot of fails. But we're gonna go through some of the highlights first. Yeah, Bloodborne. That's like a fast paced Dark Souls. People love the shit out of that game. Uh, I disagree, but people love Fallout 4, I think. <laughs> you just don't like Bethesda in general. I think people got played. Uh, I mean, yes. A lot of people, like it, me and Angry Joe agreed. It wasn't the best game. It could have been better, but you get one pass, and the next game better be better. That's what, that's, <laughs> we, we lit, I, I told you that, and I remember watching Angry Joe, and he said that, and I was like, oh, fuck yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. We know what's up. Maybe. And Until they got failed. 76. Yeah. yeah, then they fucking failed no. in the face. Anyway. But Phantom Pain came out that year. Ooh, that yeah. was the last Konami Hideo Kojima game. Yes. And it released in 2015. Got good reviews, surprisingly. Re- super high reviews. Um, the Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, though, also came out that yeah. year, <laughs> which is probably one of the best games of all time, I would imagine. Yes. Oh, yeah. In a lot of people's minds. Hugely successful. Um, Rocket League came out that year. Which Dang. I can't deny the fact that that's, I mean, that's four years ago. That Very influential. It's still, I play this game all the time, and it's four years later. It's Rise of the Top was almost instantaneous. Yeah. Like, literally in one day, boom. Yeah. Famous. <laughs> well, I mean, sort of. I mean, you had the, it started as Super Rocket Power Battle Cars. Right. And then, then it came out as Rocket League, and it wasn't that popular. And it wasn't until... Later on, because I don't think this was the year that it um, came out on the PS Pass. Really? Yeah, I think this was... I think it was 2016? Little, yeah, because it didn't launch. Um, it launched well before it came on PS Plus. See, I, I, yeah. I knew that, but I thought it was the same year, like later on. It, I, we could be wrong. Anyway, eventually it was on the PS Plus download for free, and because you know early on they couldn't get these AAA titles on there, and so th- they threw they were throwing indie games at everybody, and it's like okay, cool, we'll check out some of these cool games that you know we haven't really heard of, and maybe we'll like something. And then Rocket League just shot to the top. 
I saw it. I didn't want to get it. And then they were like, oh, you should play Rocket League because it's really awesome. And I was like, man, why is everyone really enjoying this game? Like, Even people who don't really play sports games, you can even call it, are enjoying this. And I was like, all right, let me check it out. And before you knew it, I was, I, we were all addicted. We were just hanging it, like just we're having a good time, hanging out, playing some peoples. It got rough. We drink and stuff, obviously. <laughs> oh, man, good times. I think I lied. I think you're right. Oh, I am right? I think it came out the same month that it came out for free. Oh. So I guess they launched it for free on PS Plus. It says it came out July 7th, 2015, and July's PlayStation Plus offerings included Rocket League. Bam, look at that. Which is crazy. I didn't realize <laughs> that was the case. I was seeing it. I mean, because I was thinking it had a few bits of life before that, but... I mean, I thought it came out the same year. I didn't know. Yeah. 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 That's impressive. Very cool. Very cool. And then... uh. We had your Mario Maker, which was really well respected and awesome, and you can make any Mario level you wanted. That was that was nuts. That was that was pretty crazy. That is pretty crazy. But as far as shitty stuff, there was a lot of that too. Star Wars Battlefront. Yeah, it was. But that's actually influential. Changed the industry forever. Not that one. Oh my bad. Yeah, yeah. my bad. You're right. Yeah, that the other was one. just that was just a game one. that was like, this looks so good. This has no substance. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm sad. Yeah, and I can't do it. I'm I'm shooting. Okay, I'm done with this I'm game, done. and I move on. Yeah, uh, Halo Five. Yep, that was garbage. It was garbage. Master Chief now not existent. Guitar Hero influential in that Halo is dead. Yeah, Halo <laughs> was dead. Uh, Guitar Hero Live came out, but it was they changed the controller scheme. Yeah, not a smart move. Battlefield Hardline. What the f were they thinking with this game? Buggy as shit, not fun multiplayer, just all across the board terrible. Someone was probably saying like, "Oh, I have all the power. Oh, I would love to play a game like this. Make this game for me." Cops and robbers. Cops and robbers. In Battlefield doesn't make sense. So but, you want to um, kind of run through the rest of these years? Uh, we're doing pretty good. Uh, so then we moved to 2016, <laughs> which is exciting. <laughs> And in 2016, we got Far Cry Primal, Titanfall 2, Overwatch, Uncharted 4, Dishonored 2, Firewatch, Division, Hitman, Stardew Valley, Pokemon Go, and Battlefield 1. Yeah. Overwatch. Damn. That is, that, that was one of the hallmarks of that year. Bro, I got to add something to my list. <laughs> <laughs> Overwatch came out, and I think that invented what we now call the hero shooter. Um, granted, we had Battleborn, which came out like a week prior to that, but that wasn't as big. <laughs> hey, hey Brad, I gotta, I gotta add something else to my list again. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, uh, yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. I'm sorry. Sorry. It's it's <clears throat> the list is growing, guys. Oh my goodness. The list is growing. I'll run Terrible. through mine when we get to it. Really um, quick. Uncharted Four came out. Uh, that was awesome. It was a nice conclusion asterisk to the game. Gorgeous game. Tons oh, of fun, great story, and uh, then we eventually got Lost Legacy later on uh, the following year in 2017, mm-hmm. which I did not put on here, but that it did was, come out. That was awesome. That was that was a lot of fun. Uh, Stardew Valley was super cool, made by one person. I mean, you can and freaking farm the shit out of stuff. Love that game. Oh my gosh, I love that game. But then Pokemon Go, I feel like that like that hits Overwatch and Pokemon Go in the same year. That's that's crazy. Yeah. Pokemon Go, like you see people outside. They've left their homes. They're in the park. They're walking. What is this? What is life? 
It's changed. It's outside now. It's outside. It's on now. the go. It's on the go. Um, so that was that was a pretty exciting year. Then we move into 2017, and 2017 has a ton, a ton of stuff that comes out. One of which is the Nintendo Switch that launches with Breath of the Wild, and we'll get into that later. I think that changed the way people thought about Breath of the Wild. But we also got about Hellblade, Zelda and the Switch, which was incredible. What was it Hellblade? Yes, very um, amazing game. That told a story that we didn't think could be told in a game that was like kind of pseudo indie. Yeah. Uh, Prey, Destiny 2, Cuphead. Who the heck would think that a cartoon based off of 1930s animation would blow up and become <laughs> one of the most like financially successful games in the indie market? First play good, second actually be good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Persona 5, tons of people love that game. 90 hours of gameplay, crazy. Night in the Woods, I love that a lot. Horizon Zero Dawn, the developers of Killzone, coming out with a game that was not anything like what they've done before. Yeah. An act, third person action RPG. It was not surprisingly good. One. Yeah. Most underrated game of 2017. Somehow, Legend of Zelda or Nintendo Switch decided to release not only Breath of the Wild, but another epic, Super Mario Odyssey, like later on that year. Yeah. Two big games in the first year of launch. PUBG came out that year. Fortnite came out that year. And what you were thinking about earlier, Battlefront 2 came yes. out that year. Yes. Man, that's a lot of multiplayer games coming out at the same time. It is. Woo! That was the year of multiplayer, I feel like. Um, Assassin's Creed Origins came out that year where they redid the Assassin's Creed franchise and took it in a different direction. Um, a lot of stuff, man. That's that's not too long ago. Yeah, that's, there's a lot there. And then we have last year with Red Dead Redemption 2, Spider-Man, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Monster Hunter World, Shadow of the Colossus remake, Detroit Become Human, God of War, Sea of Thieves, Forza Horizon 4, Celeste, Fallout 76, Octopath Traveler, Dead Cells, and Battlefield 5. Lots and lots of games. About 90% of those are like heavy hitters. And yeah, what a good year, man. That is such a good year. All those games I've played minus a few of them. I think I think that that one coupled with 2013 coupled with um, 2011 were like solid, solid, solid. Mm-hmm. And then 2017 too, I guess. But I don't look at 2017 as like top notch in my book. I think 2016 was bigger, other than the Switch launch. But yeah, it was it was a huge year. And then we end with 2019 this year, which we'll talk a lot more on this when we get to our goatee. But Star Wars Fallen Order, Death Stranding, Borderlands 3, Kingdom Hearts 3, Pokemon Sword and Shield, The Outer World, Sekiro, Modern Warfare, Luigi's Mansion, Apex Legends, Anthem, surprise, 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 and surprise. The Division 2. Yeah. But now let's talk about our most influential of all <laughs> those decades. Yes. Like, we just talked about 10 years of shit in 28 minutes. That's a lot. It's a lot you of You can't stuff. cover it all, but you can't cover we're trying. It all. We're trying. There here. was more games that I cut out of that. Yeah. There's just too many. Um, let's go down our list. Okay. Austin, you have like 10,000 here. I'm sorry. So, I just couldn't stop myself. Uh, if you have it, I probably won't talk about go it. Go for it. Okay. So first one is Limbo because that was a game I saw come out and I was like, oh, it's cool. But you know, it's an indie game. And prior to that, I'd played some indie games. Right. And it was like, yeah, they're okay. Like I think Trine came out before this and like, yeah. it was cool, but it wasn't like something I'm super pumped about. But then like everyone started talking about Limbo. Like, oh, this is so good. There's a story here. Like, you die and you come back and like all this stuff you could try. And I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. 
I actually never got to play Limbo, but I always heard about it for the next five years at least. Yeah. And it was on, like, like if you had a subscription service or you bought something, it was like, get this free. If you have Xbox Gold Pass, you get this with it for free. And I was like, damn, Limbo is, like, everywhere. Yeah. For five years, everyone had Limbo on their service and And marketed it. And the fact that you can make a game that had no dialogue. Yes. And make it have that much impact on people. Mm -hmm. And then they came out with a sequel it was just as good as Limbo, if not better, Inside. and I really enjoyed it. Yes, it was really yeah. good. Really, really good. Um, mine was, I was going to put Limbo on there, but I didn't feel like Limbo hit as hard in the, in, I mean, I think it, it was a huge indie game, but I think the first one that really kind of, for me, catapulted indie games into something that, like, holy crap, like, this is, this is a big deal. It was Gone Home. Like, that was something that was short. It was an hour and a half long. Um, but so, so special of a game. And it was just a walking simulator created the walking simulator genre. But like that was a time where I saw like a flip and I mean, there was like any games were going that direction, but this was one where there was, there was now not just like these little gameplay mechanics are really cool, but they, they told a, a really, really gripping emotionally, emotional story and I felt something in that game that I don't usually feel in a lot of games and then from that point forward I started finding more indie games that like made me feel actually some form of emotion that mm-hmm. was that was pretty incredible nice and then back to me obviously Skyrim <coughs> huge game I think we talked enough about that there it is very yeah. influential still releasing games last year what the hell <laughs> yeah go and talk about your next one okay I'm, I'm and see then that one too what, what? Go ahead. Go okay. Ahead. And then the next one be The Walking Dead Telltale Series. Came out of nowhere. Couldn't believe how good that game was. I think it was the first one where you could choose. Di- well, no, it was the first one. But like having that low, hardly any action, very linear game, but having a really, really amazing story with it with great characters and great dialogue. It was like, what the hell? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? And they were releasing and, you know, uh, serialized. So you'd get an episode every so often, I think. I, I can't remember how they had it laid out, but, man, kept me gripped to the, till the end. I don't think I... In 2016, I think I finally got all of the episodes and played it all the way through. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's yeah, just... The, uh, so-and-so will remember that was pretty, yeah. pretty iconic. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that was that was something else. It's a, it's a, it's a meme to this day. <laughs> yep. Uh, I have Dark Souls as one of the games of that decade that I feel really hits it. I never got into Dark Souls. I didn't enjoy Dark Souls. But you can't deny the fact that that was one of the most influential games of the 2010s because we're at a point now where games come out and they are compared to Dark Souls. Are they a Souls-like game? No, this is a Souls-like game. That is a genre that has been formed as a result of Hidetaki Miyazaki. Right. And they, it's the difficult games are rare in this capacity, but this one is hard as shit. And people love apparently hard as shit games. Yes. Yes, they and do. And we now have a Star Wars game that came out this year that is literally inspired by Dark Souls. And uh, that's crazy. So, yeah. Good for Dark them. Souls like started a, a wave. That's, yeah, pretty yeah. incredible. Oh, excuse me. Next up, I have The Witcher 3. 
unsurprising. It was my game of the year of that year. And having, I guess you can compare it to GTA, such a huge open world. Well, I wouldn't say it's fully open. They're giant, gigantic zones with towns, people, monsters, quests, hidden things. Like, it was everything that I guess I really enjoyed about Skyrim put into this interesting fantasy world of, like, medieval times, and it had great combat. And I feel like even to this day, people are still talking about The Witcher. Obviously, it was started as a book series, and that turned into the games, and the games got really popular, and now we're even having a... Uh, uh, Netflix series coming out really soon, actually, this month. So is it this month? Yes. Holy shit! I know. So like the Witcher, like the Witcher property on its own, it's very popular, and people seem to really connect with Geralt. And so it coming into a video game just just makes it great. And then CD Projekt Red is very influential too. Like they, now that with, with Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, like that has become they become a staple in game. Uh, it's like a household name for gamers. Love my Polish people. Oh, yeah. Super cool. <laughs> um, my next one is Minecraft. And uh, Minecraft is... is in, It's not hard to re- find reason why Minecraft is so influential. It is one of the biggest franchises. My, Microsoft has capitalized on that franchise so far beyond what I ever thought was possible. Um, what started as a little Java Java download that I pulled from the alpha way back when um, to what is now something that you are about to be able to play in augmented reality with Minecraft Earth. Um, <laughs> wow. It's it's insane. Yeah. And that came out Very this insane. decade, and it's people are, like we said earlier, people are YouTubing all about it. Um, so much creation, so much. And it's just so simple. And it just blew up and... The fact that it's had this much staying power is is wild, absolutely mm-hmm. wild. And I don't know what that means for the future. Like the fact that we were able to jump on a game that looks so garbage, but fall in love with it so I, much. I, I mean, I guess it's a testament to that. You don't really need good graphics to make people love a game, and this is a good example of that. And it's got to be fun. It's got to be fun, and it is very fun. All right, my next one is PUBG. Obviously, almost the first of its kind, but. Came out in a good time and took the internet, took the gaming verse by storm. Everyone was getting this game. I think it was only thirty dollars, right, when it first came out. So like, really cheap. Obviously had bugs, but having this well, giant it was early access when it first came out. Oh, too. okay, okay. Yeah. So like, it, having this giant map where this unique way of doing this multiplayer battle was so interesting and very engaging and very nerve wracking. <laughs> I just. Having that experience is, or especially being there at the first time, was like, wow, this is this is actually something cool and interesting and new and nothing we've ever really done before, or at least for most people, you know. I think, uh, I forgot, the creator of this was working on Arma Mod, I believe. Player unknown. Yeah, and so he just took that and brought it to a mass audience and made like $7 million or something, some crazy number of money like in, in six months or something like that. Yeah. It's crazy, and now it's still around today. People are copying it, and um, sadly, it's falling behind. But I mean, everyone will remember PUBG from many years to come. Yeah, you know, PUBG was a a really really cool game. I I look back on it as a I'm concerned as to why I liked it so much because I look <laughs> at how much I hated 
getting shot after playing 45 minutes and finally find somebody and they kill me, how much I hated how buggy it was. It was just... It's like Dark Souls. Like, you start to get the hang of it. But Dark Souls like, not yes. buggy. Well, I understand that. This is... But, but it's got that... Yeah. It's got that feeling of, like, I have conquered. Especially when you yeah. get that first chicken dinner. You're like, oh, yeah. holy shit, I did it! <laughs> I mean, that was I cool. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, overall, this game was horseshit. But, like... <laughs> It was still a cool game. Like right. the gameplay mechanic. I just wish they were able to finally. They never really got to the point where it was like, this is polished and this feels good and it feels right. But <clears throat> it is very influential because it started Battle Royale. Yeah. Made that genre. And then my next game, Fortnite, took that idea <laughs> and they were like, we're going to make it and run with it. And then now it's the one of the biggest franchises around. Yes. And they're about to do a freaking partnership with star wars and release star wars content in this thing wow. and it's yeah and it's fortnite is basically PUBG, but not buggy mm-hmm. and better and not better i take that back it's not better it's just not buggy and it's more friendly to casual players that are coming in and children and things of that nature right and that's what allowed them to grow and build this to what it is i don't like fortnite but i don't either I think it is something that definitely you can't. It defines this decade. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. Next up for me, I got Breath of the Wild. Yes, uh, Zelda's been around for a while, and I, they they changed up the game, you know, from each iteration to some degree, and some more than others. But this one, you know, taking. Something like you would see in Skyrim, this giant open world and allowing you to just run free and explore it and do quests and kill things and find new weapons and upgrade your character and climb over everything, like absolutely anything you could climb on. It was just a breath of fresh air for the (laughs) Zelda franchise and coming out on the Switch just made it that much better because it was a new, interesting console that has definitely defined the decade and I think... Zelda has defined itself in this decade with Breath of the Wild. Speaking of this decade, yeah, and this console, <laughs> yes, that is my pick for one of the most influential. <laughs> I was going to say game, but it's not a game. Yeah, it's a console, and it's a Switch, and that definitely, hands down, will define this decade in some capacity. I mean, PS4 and Xbox <clears throat> One, cool, it existed, but nothing in comparison to the the way that we change how we think about gaming with a console system. We took a home console and made it to where it's both home and portable at the same time. And I probably play my Switch 90% portable. Mm-hmm. And I love it for that. And yeah. it's great. And it's fun. And it's mobile. And they succeeded. Yes. And I, I will look back on 2010s and be like, damn. Yeah. That created... This and then create a platform for mul- for indie games to even yes. blow up even more. Right. So they they took that know. market and ran with it. Yeah, they've done <laughs> a lot, and then they've been able to just continuously release solid, great, awesome Nintendo franchise games on this platform, mm-hmm. minus Pokemon. But everything else has been really good. So yeah, yeah, great. very nice. And then obviously, if you didn't see this one coming, you've been listening to podcasts. Shame on you. Uh, got a war. Definitely, I feel like, define this generation because it took a franchise that people have loved for, I don't know how to pass how many years and 
you know, like that the style of gameplay that they have had, but they were able to make a very I want to say slow down game, but a more intimate game with these characters, change them up a bit in a way that was very compelling and satisfying and a world that was just big enough to explore. And I think God of War has come back in a big way and has definitely left a staple on the last decade. Yeah, it's a great way to change a franchise. I mean, to come back and make what used to be a big brute, mainly man character to a character with, like some emotion heart. and heart, yeah. Like and feelings, and being able to show the vulnerability of that character, like that's that's amazing. Because people just previously thought it was a hack and slash action game, and yeah. that now are like, you and know, that was fine for the times, yeah. But the times have changed, and now it's way more than that. Um, speaking of times changing, yes. Overwatch yes. changed a lot. Yes, it did. It created the the hero shooter. That we all know and love, mm-hmm. and brought all these amazing characters into our worlds, into our hearts, and our souls. Brought all these amazing voice actors who previously didn't have a face as much in the world, and are now, as a community, have come together and have become icons. You know, like they say, like the Overwatch is like the watch of the you know the this watching the world, world yeah. and stuff like that. Justice League, <laughs> yeah, and I feel like. These uh, these actual voice actors and actresses have actually taken that into the world, and they are taking those characters into the real world and making people's lives better through that. I mean, you know, Carolina Ravasa and like all the people that we've met over the times, the majority of them are like super great people that just re- love and respect their fans and just want to, you know, cultivate the like just they're humbling humble about what these characters have done for these people mm-hmm. and um, really, really jump into that. And I, I think that's really awesome. And the game was great. I mean, it is great. I mean, yeah. it's it's awesome. I'm hoping Overwatch 2 is good, but it's it's such a good game, and I put a ton, a ton of time into it. Yeah, we and all have. Absolutely love it. By the way, go over to YouTube.com uh, slash The Inner Gamer. You can find our interviews with some of the cast of Overwatch. That's right. The Inner Gamer Invades. <clears throat> Check it out. Uh, next up on my list is Grand Theft Auto Five and Grand Theft Auto Online. Yeah, came out in a big way. Everyone was excited for it. It was a great game, but then Online was released, and that became even bigger. And that's crazy how much it's grown and still growing. Like Brett said, it's still going on right now. Like what the heck? How is this even possible? Even still after all money. the the hate that people had about it with the bank heist taking forever to come to Online, like people were like shitting on it forever on yeah. that. But it's it's. It's a crazy success story. Yeah. Because when you think Grand Theft Auto V, you don't think of the characters and the story and of the actual base game. You think of online. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Crazy sandbox world where you can do basically anything and mod it and do everything. So it's crazy, man. But that base game itself was, I mean, three different playable characters that you switch between all the time. Yeah. Crazy long story that was super interconnected and just wild, lambastic full of blockbuster moments. It was it was it was a wild, wild experience. Yes, a lot it was. of fun. Yes it was. Um Pokemon Go is one of mine. You can't deny that Pokemon Go definitely left a mark in this last decade. Holy crap, man. Yeah. Twenty sixteen this game came out out of nowhere and we're like, hey, this Pokemon game, you can catch them all in the real world. You can go outside. It's labeled as augmented reality where you can like look through your camera and like see a new world or whatever. Nobody really used that feature, probably. Well, you didn't see a new world. You just saw like a Pokemon in your world. 
Well, that's, yeah, that's, so, but, but it's, it's yeah, cool. Yeah. But nobody, I mean, I, did you yeah. ever use it? I, I mean, used to use it at first, but then it drained my battery so fast. I was like, yeah. I cannot keep doing this. <laughs> I just, I just turned it off real yeah, quick because it's easier to catch them without it. So right. I was like, that too. It. That too. But still, the, the fact that you just go anywhere, you can stumble upon Pokemon in the world, go to places that you may not have visited before and collect Pokestop stuff. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's amazing what that, that had done. And it's still alive and breathing today, despite a lot of issues along the way. Like, it's still doing well. And they brought out the Harry Potter game, which they tried to kind of replicate that idea, but still couldn't do what Pokemon did. Yeah, right. So first of its kind, it was so like so good. I would get home from work, wake up Brett, and be like, "Hey, I'm gonna borrow your bike. Go run around the city or drive right around the city on Brett's bike catching Pokemon." And I probably wouldn't get back to like twelve. And obviously, this is in the heat of the summer, so I was sweating my ass off. I bring enough water just to get me through that time, and then, <laughs> and then I even go back out later. Like it was crazy, and you'd see people everywhere, ever, especially downtown. Like after, um, after uh, you know, works works out and everything, people would be in downtown Fort Worth Square just in droves catching Pokemon. It was literally ridiculous. Yeah, crazy man, and that was all over the world. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. It's 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 something that it's a kind of a magical situation that I don't I don't think you could plan that, but the fact that they were able to do that and keep it up for so long um, was pretty impressive. And now it's like it's totally a different game. I mean, you got yeah. you got raids and you got all these different gyms and stuff, and you got tradable abilities between people and like there's there's all this stuff you can do now. It's it's just I'm glad they kept supporting it and doing more with it. And it's, it's side story. Awesome. It got so bad for me that there was an app to let you know which Pokemon are where. So it's basically cheating. Mm-hmm. And I had a guy that I knew who lived with lived downtown. and was like, hey, there's a rare Pokemon downtown right now. And it's like you have 20 minutes to get here to get it. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> so, of course, I left my room at like 9, 9 p.m. and ran down downtown to get this Pokemon and it left. And I was like, <laughs> Actually, no, I think I, I just couldn't catch it because you can try so many times and then run away. Damn. And I was Damn, like, that sucks. Fuck. And I think after that, <clears throat> very soon after that, I started to like just not do it anymore. Yeah. It's only it was like Pokemon Sword and Shield where me, like you just throw a Pokeball and they just catch. Me and Lizette would just drive around late at night trying to catch Pokeballs and fight gyms and stuff. Dude, <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Great bonding time. Yes, yeah. it was. Great bonding time. It's crazy. All right. Next one. All right, you got the last one. Oh, sorry, my I'm bad. Done. Okay, the last one is Red Dead Redemption 1. Because even to this day, I hear people talking about Red Dead Redemption 1. And I wouldn't say it was like, you know, the most influential, but apparently it is, because I consider that very influential. If even to this day, people continue to talk about that game and how good it was, the story, the characters, especially that DLC. Apparently that DLC was the bomb back in the day. And... um yeah, I mean, people talked about all. I mean, we have Red Dead Redemption two for a reason. Yeah, you know, I so. still consider it one of the best stories ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's in my top five. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, and there's a lot of good stories out there, but definitely Red Dead Redemption one is in my top five, like best storytelling games. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, I can't quite say that yet. I didn't get as gripped into it as I did with one, but uh, one is special. Yes, it is very special. Very special. Um, that's it, everybody. That is the last decade in uh in gaming. It's a lot. It's a lot of stuff that took place. Kind of good. A lot of bad. Kind of sad. I don't want to leave it. I don't want to stay in this decade. <laughs> I'm ready to leave it. Like 2020, man. Oh shit. 
Um, I mean, we didn't talk about like streaming, like getting started, but we're going to see what happens with that next year. Like 2020 right. is going to be full of all kinds of crazy stuff, but that's safe for next podcast. Right. We talk about what's coming in 2020. So definitely want to stay tuned for that. Um, but it's, it's crazy to see what's going to be going on. I and mean, we, we do have new console launches next year. VR, hopefully growing the streaming services is getting bigger and better. We'll see where that goes, but um, maybe we won't even be looking at screens anymore. We'll be like doing something else. I can't say in this last decade, like there was any significant like hardware changes other than there's some like evolutionary stuff, but nothing that was revolutionary. Right. Like, I don't even consider the Switch revolutionary. What about VR? Um, I think it was big, but um, it just hasn't hit that point yet. Okay. But oh, we didn't even talk about VR in here, but yeah. that's, that's a whole, that is another piece that came in, but I don't think it's quite hit the stride right to have it define the decade it looked like it was about to early on yeah, yeah. but then uh, didn't yeah, pan out the no, way quite. but um anyway if anybody any of you out there have any questions or want to contribute to next week's segment um visit the internet and send your feedback and also if you donate at the five dollar level you can suggest a topic and come on the podcast to talk about that topic so you definitely want to go check that out you know you want to yep and you can join our discord channel check out the link in the show notes and uh, we will not be right back with our coming video game releases because there are none. So instead, I'm just going to close out the podcast. <laughs> the year's over. The decade's over. The year's no over. More games. The decade's <laughs> over. Everything's sad. And I'm just going to go and play all the games I never got to play the last yeah. year. There it is. So it's great. But that's going to wrap up our show. Be sure and check us out next Tuesday for more from your favorite video game podcast. You can visit the Intergamer.net for our latest episodes, videos, and social channels. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend. It really does help, guys, and it helps us chart. You need to get on the Apple Podcast charts and, you know, get that views. You know what I mean? And if you want to support our show, you can donate on our website over at Intergamer.net. All donations go towards making the podcast, videos, and events even better. You can also join in on the conversation over on our Discord channel. So check out the show notes for that link. And as always... Please share this content with friends, family. The more eyes we get in front of it, the more we can grow, and it helps more than you know. Yes, I'm making that rhyme. I'm Austin Morales. I'm Brayden Husky. And you've been listening to the Intergamer Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week. Podcast. Next week, 250. Out.